Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central, and it starts right now. morning and welcome to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscoming and boy, do we have a crazy show ahead for you this morning. High school football starting the SEHSL playoffs today. The Braves winning the World Series. First off, congratulations to them. Uh, we'll talk a little more about that and and their victory and recap the World Series a little later on, have a few other notes to talk about around the world of sports, but first, for definitely the first half hour, and perhaps even the first hour, the big news to talk about is on the college football gridiron, and the the despicable, absolutely despicable thing that the Invitational Committee pulled this week. And I want to get your I want to get your thoughts on this 
and any other news around the world of sports, be sure to call on in 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. And let's get this started. I can't believe they're doing it again. They're really trying to pull this crap again. Last year, I gave them a bit of the benefit of the doubt. I decided not to talk about it all that much last year because of COVID, because it was a unique year, all of that. They kind of had a cop-out last year. But this year, especially with the AP and the coaches' poll, both putting them, and it's not even like, okay, it's one thing if the AP and the coaches' poll were putting them in fourth. And they were just squeezing in. But no. The AP poll has Cincinnati ranked second, as does the coaches poll. Where does where does the poll that the only one that technically matters put Cincinnati? Sixth. That is Excuse me. It should be criminal, and this is why, and like I said, like I said, I talked about this a little bit last year, but because of COVID, because of thing it entailed, I decided to give them a bit of the benefit of the doubt. Or not so much benefit of the doubt, but it was, there are more pressing matters. There are more important things in the world. Let me not rag on the too much. But, but this is a new year, and now it's time to get back on this horse. Because this is why, this is why college football, it always has been, but even now as they're trying to build a national audience, this is why college football will forever be a a regional sport. Because let me tell you something, and those of you who are huge college football fans are probably going to find this a big shocker. But in the Northeast, no one cares about college football unless either A, originally from, like, you know, the South or Midwest, and you have that loyalty to that team. And I'm, I be, I'm assuming this is the same way uh, in the out West, in, like, California and Washington as well. The only reason why you follow college football or college athletics of any regard for that matter is one of three reasons. Either A, you're a transplant. B, you go to the school that you root for. Or you're an alumni of of said school. You have to have a direct connection to the school. 
And I honestly think this is part of the reason for why. Because unless you are an Alabama Clemson this year, but in you know, in past years Clemson, you know, uh even Oklahoma even Oklahoma, who is normally a college football playoff darling, oh, excuse me, college football invitational, even Oklahoma, who is usually the one of the bells of the ball, they were ranked eighth. And yes, I know they're having problems with their quarterback situation and all of that, blah, blah, blah. They're still undefeated. They still certainly deserve to be in that spot above Alabama. And yes, 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 Alabama, strength of schedule, prestige, whatever. Whatever BS you want to throw out there. That's all it is. It's just BS. It's an excuse to keep the haves having and the have-nots having not. And yes, I know people are going to say, oh, watch, you know, Cincinnati's going to have a drop once they move to the Big 12. First off, I don't think so. If they do, it's not because of the Big 12 so much as the the pipeline is gone. You know, they don't, they're not getting in the recruits that they are currently. And here's the other thing, too. Oregon, they put Oregon in over Oklahoma, too. When you have two one-loss teams in over two easily deserving undefeated teams, then that's when you know the system is rigged. And yes, I know, I know it's it's only the first it's only the first playoff vote. Alabama still needs to play, you know. Uh, Alabama still needs to play Arkansas, and I. I forget who else they still need to play. And they still need to beat, presumably, Georgia in the SEC title game. I get all that. But here's the thing, and there is precedent for this. Even if, let's say Alabama goes undefeated the rest of the way, and let's even say they lose to Georgia. But if they keep it close, I'm already calling it. The committee's going to figure out some way, some excuse, to put them in over a Cincinnati. And that just cannot happen. A sport is not legitimate if, set, I would say, 70 or maybe even as high as 80% at this point teams are basically playing a glorified exhibition schedule. If you have no chance of winning the supposed top championship in your in your sport, then what are you playing for? What are you really playing for? And I've said I've said for a long time the the one good thing I will say, and and this started last year, 
last year and and now this year if this trend continues more and more people seem to be getting on board with me I've been screaming this for over a decade now that college football is a joke because of its system and all of that unless you are a fan of Alabama or one of the other invitational darlings no one cares about college football the only reason prior to last year you know on a saturday yeah i might have turned on you know a game or two just to see what was going on but prior to last year and starting to call high school football and thus and thus having vested interest in the game and having a vested interest in the teams that are playing, I didn't really watch college football at all. You know, like I said, I'd turn it on every now and again if it was on, on a Saturday. But it wasn't like now where I actually make sure that, you know, I have Saturday you know, locked down so that I can watch college football. But even then, I'm not really watching it, you know, I'm not really watching it as a fan of any team. I'm just kind of flipping around, seeing the games that involve players that, you know, either, you know, not many that I've called yet, but either players that I've called or players from schools that I've called. So, you know, and I feel like a lot of people do that at this point. A lot of people do just, you know, flip around and and watch games very casually. And you know, but yeah, this this just has to stop. What this reminds me of, and and had the opportunity to try to prove themselves. It's like that guy that you know that you know says he's not racist, but does plenty of racist things. But then like. You know, he'll he'll try to say, oh, I have a black friend, so therefore I'm not racist. That's, that's what I feel like the college football playoff could have at least tend to do, but they didn't even try that. It, it's the difference between the racist guy who gives you any evidence to the contrary and the guy who at least tries to give you evidence to the contrary even though nobody believes it. The college football playoff committee or excuse me, college football invitational committee basically showed their hand this week and said, Yeah, we're we're biased. We don't care about group of five. And here's the other thing too. Here's the other thing that really showed their bias. Yes, it's one thing to, you know, and put Alabama at second and, and all of that. 
and real and show your bias on the top end. But even at the lower end, they showed their bias and just showed how corrupt and and how biased and just how absolutely despicable they are. Teams that are ranked in the AP poll but are not in the playoffs in the invitational quote-unquote rankings. UTSA, Houston, Coastal, SMU, and Louisiana. See a theme there? All of them are group of five schools. They all got shafted for more, more quote-unquote prestigious schools, I'll, I'll say. Look at some of the schools that they added instead. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and Pitt, and NC State. All those schools are Power 5 schools. And, and, and here's the problem, too. It's like they're flaunting it at this point. They're basically saying, yeah, we're biased, we're corrupt, and we don't care. We don't care if you know, because what are you going to do to stop us? And honestly, honestly, at this point, and, you know, I'm probably, you know, talking to a brick wall for this, especially around here where college football is so ingrained into the fabric of the society and all that. But there's really only one way, and that is simply to turn it off. And depending upon what happens tonight on the high school front for me, I may very well just do that tomorrow. I may not watch tomorrow as a protest to what has happened this week. It's an absolute travesty. And and yes, I saw Heather Dinch post on Twitter yesterday that they're most people are in favor of expansion and just trying to figure out how to do it and all that. I don't see what's so hard. They came up with, in my opinion, a very good compromise position earlier this year with 12 teams. 12 teams, top four teams get by. And, you know... Yeah, I I don't get how that's so hard to to just do. I don't get how that's so hard to just say, okay, let's do it. And to all the people who talk about, oh, you know, too many games for these kids and all of that, No, it's not. FCS does it. Division 2 does it. Division 3 does it. 
So you really are you really trying to tell me that the top athletes in the country are not able to play as many games as some of the lower level athletes? That that's just an excuse to keep the status quo. And like I said, like I've said before, until a real playoff system is created that has no biases, you know, treats everyone fairly, there has never been a Division One, you know, top top level college football. There has never been a true national champion. Every single one is mythical. Every single damn one. And let me let me just put this out. If if the college football playoff committee continues on this track and they do leave out Cincinnati and Cincinnati goes to whatever bowl game they whatever random bowl game they stick them in and they beat whatever power five team that they try to put up against them to try to say, hey, look, we were right, and they're going to beat them probably pretty handily at that. As soon as they're officially undefeated, AP and the coaches need to need to basically create a coup and give the national their national championship to... Cincinnati as basically a giant middle finger to the college football playoff committee basically saying, no, we are not going to stand for this any longer. Either you get your act together or we're going rogue. And I don't know what exactly it would do. Unfortunately, not much. But when both the when both the AP have them in the exact same spot, and it's not, like I said before, it's not even like they're in, you know, it's not even like they're just barely getting in at four. They're the number two ranked team in the country in both polls. How do you mess this up? Well, I'll tell you how. You know, it's pure corruption. It's pure corruption, it's pure nepotism, it's just pure showing their hand and saying, we will not allow a group of five, or even, for that matter, a lower level power five school get in. We're going, I mean, the the only one that I would say... The only silver lining that I would say in this ranking, and this is only because another, you know, traditional powerhouse media darling school is the fact that they actually gave Michigan State the number three spot. I mean, this year is so topsy-turvy in terms of who's been getting wins and who's been losing, that 
they really didn't have a choice of putting uh, putting some of these uh, teams in. Now, I will say, I will say, if it wasn't for the complete train wreck of a season that Clemson was having, if they even if they had two losses, I could totally see the college football invitational committee trying to figure out a way of putting Clemson in there. Just because they're one of their cash cows. But yeah, this is this is absolutely ridiculous, criminal and something needs to be done about this. Because if you like if you like college football and you think that this system is is legit, you're delusional. You are absolutely delusional. You need to get your head checked. And yeah, no, this is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And it needs to stop and it needs to stop now. College football is on its last legs, people, if this doesn't stop. Simple as that. I'll take a quick break, and then when I come back, talk a little bit about about conference realignment. Uh, And like like I said before, if you want to get your thoughts in on this, if you want to talk about what's going on in college football, We'll talk about high school football at the top of the hour. Uh, I'll have Lou Bejek from the state coming on at 8.30. But right now, focus on college football. Let's talk about this debacle. If you want to get your thoughts in on this, 323-784-9681 is the number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll come right back with more college football talk right here on Sports Unlimited. On Southern Sports Central. Hey, yo. You ready? Let's do it. Bad boy, 
Harlem heat. All of a sudden, got a problem with me. Black, what happened? They running around acting like the black don't care eat. And you know what? What? For some strange reason, I want for this medication, feeling deranged, needing for y'all to put the word out. We ain't leaving. We tryna be rich before we all stop breathing. Therefore, we kinda hustle lame. Stay laying down our muscle game. Still turn your dreams to flames. You got the wire. If not, I ain't saying no name. You soon expire. No pain. I feel remorse for some cautious. Me and Diddy are first racing Porsches with the big twin valve exhausted. On the cover of your vibe. Double like sounds and sauce. Going nowhere. Be everything still glorious. We still got warriors, still be the victorious. See, it's a lot of them, but it's more of us. Still got cash to blow, wraps to flow, steal them, cats to know, pack to flow, that's for sure. The pop, the rock, play the background, hand them a shot, hold them a money to get, cost to flip, love it, place nothing above it. It's on like that, don't believe we ain't going like that. We're always going to be here, we there. Yesterday. 
or last night? For those of you who are wrestling fans, being being brought, quote-unquote, up to the FBS level from FCS is like getting that, quote-unquote, call-up from NXT to either Raw or SmackDown. It's called a call-up, but really it's a demotion. Really it's a downgrade. Because you're losing you're losing basically everything. And that's how this that that's how going from FCS to FBS is. Because especially for a team like a James Madison who is now moving to the Sun Belt, who we'll we'll talk about in a little bit, actually, because their former conference is doing some petty, petty, petty stuff. And it's uh, it's bad. College college athletics has not had a good week at all. But with that being said, if I'm a James Madison who has been a legitimate contender for the real national championship for a while now, they've they've won it a couple of times. There, they always seem to be in the hunt. Why are you really going to demote yourself by moving to the FBS before a real playoff system is in place? And now, yes, they wouldn't actually move until 2025, I think, or something like that. It would be for another couple of years. And so maybe by then... you have a a real playoff system in place that they can actually compete for. But at this point, I wouldn't I wouldn't move until there was a real playoff system in place. That that's just me and my competitive nature. You know, I've always said if I were a you know, if I if I had the athletic ability to play in the pros, you know, or in college or whatnot, well, mostly in the pros. Oh, although now college it, it would work, but you know, with my age, obviously it wouldn't have when when I was school. But if I had two offers from, let's say. Uh, you know, a team like the Patriots or, you know, the Packers or, you know, one of the teams that are perennial contenders, you know, uh, not so much this year, but, you know, in the past, the Chiefs, uh, you know, you get what I'm saying. A team that is a perennial contender for a Super Bowl. And then I had an offer from, honestly, let's say at this point, the Giants. Giants, Browns, Raiders, the Jets, the 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 teams that never can seem to get it get it going and are just run poorly and thus are never in contention. But the if the team that the bad team offered, you know, a lot more money. But the good team had a legitimate chance of winning the Super Bowl. 
I'd take a pay cut to win a Super Bowl. I'd be like Tom Brady, who, you know, cut his salary in order to win Super Bowls. That's how I go. That's how I roll. I, I'm, I'm more worried about the competitive accolades than making money. And that's what's lost in college football now. Well, and college athletics just in general at this point. Because, unfortunately, this trend is seeping into other sports as well now. But that's the big problem right now in college athletics is that it's all about the money. You know, uh, and and that's the thing. That's that's the funny thing about all, all the people, you know, and luckily there weren't too many, but those people who were, you know, complaining about the NIL and all of this and saying, oh, it's going to ruin college football, it's going to destroy amateurism, all of that, yada, yada, yada. That only really counts at, you know, like the D2 and D3 level, where you really are just playing for fun. Doesn't count at the Division One level where especially not in FBS, where it's all about what school you're, you are. Now, you could go on, you know, as Cincinnati has shown, as UCF has shown, how, you know, Houston showed a few years back, um, you know, it doesn't matter what you do on the field. It only matters how much money you bring in. And that's really sad. It's really sad to see. And yes, I know it's been this way for a long time. But it's it's still really sad to see college football in, in this state of affairs. But, okay, let's get into the conference realignment stuff going on uh, this week. Mac, the Mac said it will likely add Middle Tennessee State and Western Kentucky. If this happens, Conference USA will will have lost 11 of their 14 members, which is crazy to think about that they're losing this many, that losing that many teams. And they're really going to need to try to find some schools if they want to survive. Uh, they, they, have, they have said they're inviting Liberty, Jacksonville State, New Mexico State, and Sam Houston, the two FCS schools that they're trying to convince to come up to FBS. And especially Sam Houston, who, if I remember correctly, I think they, uh, in the the national championship game last year, I think they were, if I remember correctly. I, like I said, if I were Sam Houston, I would not give that up. And now, yes, it, you know, it would uh, happen right away. But still, I would not give that up at all right now. 
because it's just it's just not worth it to me. I'd much rather be a winner and be making less money than you know not being not wanting to play, or not having anything to play for. So yeah, I mean good you know good on conference USA for trying to fill those spots, but well also and and here you know we we talked about it and everything. And and I haven't I haven't studied it all that much. I'm sure this is a normal thing that happens, but especially with in how dire of straits they are, Conference USA really asking for a two million dollar entrance fee for these schools. At this point, Conference USA is the you know is a dying brand at this point. If I like I said, I mean I'd do it anyway. But between losing your opportunity to win a national championship, uh going to a dying conference and on top of that them having the audacity to ask for a two million dollar entrance fee, if I were Sam Houston or I were Jacksonville State, I'd tell them to go scratch. I mean, like, why would I want to do that? Why, why would I, why would I want to pay you to lower myself? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. I'm sure, I'm sure those schools probably will jump because that's all they care about is money. And you know, FBS because of their TV deals and everything make more money. I get it. I get it. But it's not right. And this whole concept of, oh, college football is so much better because it's amateurism. No, it's not. It's, it hasn't been amateur in a long, long time. And if you really think it, it has been, you are incredibly naive. And so, yeah, college football has not had a good week. Let's just put it that way. And and that's that's not even the last of it because I've got one one other final story that now I don't think it quite tops the the college football invitational debacle. But the colonial and I thought they. You know, I guess this was me being a little naive, but I thought they'd be a little better than this. The Colonial Athletic Association is trying to stop James Madison. Now, I don't know what the latest, what the status of this is, where they are in negotiations or whatnot. But apparently, I guess James Madison has not officially announced they are moving to the Sun Belt at this point. Everyone says it's pretty much a done deal, but they're not, you know, they haven't officially announced it. And here's why. Or at least I think this 
this is the reason why. The Colonial Athletic Association is saying that if if you announce, that if James Madison announces that they are moving to the Sun Belt, they are barred from competing in league championships once they announce. That is incredibly petty. And I hope the other schools... Now, this is one situation where I, you know, I would move up to FBS. But this is, a, this is one situation where I hope those other schools in the conference are looking at this and saying, is this really a conference that we want to be associated with? And either break away and create a new conference Or do something about this because, yeah, this is just getting out of control. That is incredibly petty of the Colonial to do. It's just, I'm flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted that they would try to do that. And and I saw some people on uh, either Facebook or Twitter saying, you know, if you're leaving a conference, do you, why do you care about winning their championship? Well, okay, you may be leaving, but you're not going to be leaving for another couple of years. And so do you really want to punish, you know, if 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 what, you know, they, they spew this BS about, you know, uh, when they want to exploit the but they'll say, oh, it's, it's all about the student-athletes and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if it's really all about the student-athletes, why are you punishing the current student-athletes for something that the school is doing? And yes, I understand that this is a precedent, but but here's the difference. When like the NCAA would put a sanction on a school, whether it's you know obviously SMU with the death penalty, or you know Penn State back a while back with Sandusky and and them being barred from uh, you know the postseason. Uh, you know, USC with Reggie Bush, et cetera, et cetera. Once those rulings come down, those players who are on the team currently, they are allowed to transfer. And so those who want to actually compete have the ability to And so, well, first off, you're in the middle of the season right now. So if the Colonial Athletic Association pulled this stunt right now, those players would be screwed. And what's funny about it is... What's funny about it is that, you know, when, you know, when... COVID hit, and when everything had to be shut down for that, 
All these people were screaming foul, saying, you know, think of the student athletes. You're, you know, they're they're gonna lose this opportunity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But now, when a conference tries to do the exact same thing, nobody has a problem with it. It's a very bladed double standard, and yeah, this between the college football playoff, this this is why and this is why and it's it's very ironic, honestly. This is why a lot of people a lot of smarter people don't follow follow college athletics. And it's ironic because college is supposed to be the, the place of the you know, the more educated. In terms of their athletics, it's not. It's incredibly stupid in terms of how it's run. And it's just it hurts my brain how stupid and and what's even worse is you know it, it's one you know it's one thing if it were you know a corrupt system that everyone hated and you know but it was just a matter of you know they have too much power they you know they can't be changed but no College football have their apologists. The system have their defenders. And it's ridiculous. You know, and, and they'll say, oh, the, let, let's go through some of them real quick. Oh, the regular season wouldn't count if you expanded the playoffs. Yes, it would. It would, it would. it would make the regular season mean even more. Because everyone's playing for something. Right now, going into the season, you can cross off 80% of the schools and say, nope, you don't have a chance, you don't have a chance, you don't have a chance. You know, you've got half, you've got half of the conferences that you automatically cross off every year. What kind of sport does that? And the the other one of oh there aren't enough you know there there aren't uh, there aren't that many teams that are good enough to make it into the playoffs. How do you know that? How do you know what teams are good enough to make it into the playoffs? You don't. And and what's funny about it is, you know, when when Notre Dame is good, people are all, oh, you know, rah rah Notre Dame, all of that. And then when you know when they lose in the college football playoff, they're they're said that you know people say they're overrated and stuff. But yet, if a team, you know, if a team people want 
you know, if one of the prestigious teams beats them, you know, like Clemson last year, uh, the you know, people just, you know, when when a when a team people want in the playoffs beat them, they say, oh, that's a big win. That's a you know, that's a landmark win. But when a team that they don't want in, they'll just say, oh, it's, you know, it's just Notre Dame. People come up with so many different excuses to stick to this system, and I just, I just don't get it. Cling on to this absolutely idiotic system. And it just, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just, it doesn't make any sense. But people want to cling to it for whatever stupid reason. Hopefully it changes soon. You know, hopefully college football actually gets with the program and, you know, joins, you know, hell, joins the 20th century, let alone the 21st century. And and comes up with a real system, um, because, like I said, the only two ways that I would see uh, the only two ways that I could see college football. Place is either these are the the only two or there's three. The only three options I'd be okay with is either a if you really want to screw over the little guy to go back to the poll system where you don't have a national championship game and you just you know rank them. Have the national championship be mythical and just leave it at that. Basically say, you know, we we don't want to try. That's the first way. The second way, and, and honestly the best way, is to just make a 12-team playoff. Make a 12-team playoff. Allow group of five in there. All of that. That would solve every single problem in college football. And the third option, again, if you don't want to try, if you don't want to, you know, if you want to say, yeah, we're biased, we don't care about, them have their own playoff then. Let them crown their own champion then. Basically make three, three systems, or three levels. You know, F, or Power 5, Group of 5, and then FCS. I, I don't get how hard that is. I don't get why this is so hard. But it just is. So that'll bring us to the top of the hour in the next break. Uh, when I come back, we'll transition over to high school football, talk about the SEHSL playoffs, talk about a few other things. So keep it locked right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
where it began I can't begin to know it But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Hands Touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And like I mentioned, we'll now transition over to high school football and the high school football playoffs. A real playoff, a a real way of uh, actually determining uh, who who gets into, uh, who wins the state championship. Uh, First, before we jump into that, um, some recruiting notes for the week. Landon Bullock from Gaffney was offered by Presbyterian. Houston Curry from Hillcrest offered by East Tennessee State. Monty Grant from Sumter got another offer, this time offered by Coastal. Uh, but how he's been getting offered, doubt that one's really going to 
scratch the surface unless he wants to stay home. But then even then he'll probably go to he would probably go to South Carolina. Uh on the basketball court, Noah Clowney from Dorman committed to Alabama. Big get for uh, the Crimson Tide on the basketball court. <coughs> and on the baseball diamond. John Wimmer from Rock Hill committed to Citadel, as did Maddox Webb from Somerville. Tagger Tyson from Oceanside committed to Louisville. Freeman from North Merrill Beach, who's joining the Chiefs this season, also committed to the Cardinals of Louisville. So congratulations to all of those guys. Like I mentioned, now we'll transition over uh, to high school football. And we'll start over in 5A, and we'll go through each uh, each classification, go through each matchup, and be, tell you who, who probably will win each game. Uh, like I mentioned last week, I, I wish they would have cut it down to 24, but, and, and I'll ask Lou about this, um, you know, when he comes on at the bottom of the hour. Yeah, let's let's get into it. There are actually a few matchups that you don't necessarily know who's going to win the game, but most of them I think are pretty self-explanatory. We'll start in 5A and we'll start in the upstate. Hillcrest against Riverside. Hillcrest the one seed. I don't see anyone beating or I don't see uh Riverside being able to beat Hillcrest there. Clover and Ridgeview, at the beginning of the season, I would probably say, you know, Ridgeview has a good chance of winning this game. The way their season has gone, I don't see them winning this game. I mean, Ridgeview finished the season... They did finish the season at two and two, but still, I'm. This game is going to be a close game. I I do think this game is going to be close, but I I think Clover has enough to uh, to win this one. Spartanburg and, and Woodmont. Spartanburg probably has that one in the bag. Spring Valley and Nation Ford. I think Spring Valley probably should be able to win that game. Gaffney against Rock Hill. Gaffney almost certainly will win that one. T.L. Hanna and Dorman, I think, is the most interesting matchup in the upstate in 5A. Uh, Because, yeah, Dorman has struggled this season, relatively speaking. But they're still a very good team. Uh, T.L. Hanna's been playing very well, though, all season long. Uh, So... I'm going to go with T.L. Hanna, but I think this one's going to be a close one. Northwestern and Boiling Springs. Northwestern's going to win that one. And then rounding things off in the upstate, Burns and Malden. Burns, I think, should be able to win that one. Going down to the lower state, Dutch Fork and Socastee. I mean, I'll ask Lou, if he thinks anyone can beat Dutch Fork this season, I'm not thinking so, but especially tonight, no way 
Dutch Fork is going to dominate Saka's feet tonight. Kane Bay and Ashley Ridge. I think Kane Bay probably has enough to win that one. Sumter and White Knowles. Sumter almost assuredly will advance. West Ashley against Stratford. I think West Ashley should be able to win that one. Goose Creek against Somerville. I think probably Goose Creek uh, should be able to win that game, but that's one that, you know, maybe Somerville does give them a run for their money. Lexington and Conway, I think Lexington should be able to win that one, although the fact that they had to play a uh, play an overtime game last week, wondering if that may play an impact this week. We'll have to – that's another question I'll have to ask uh, Lou when he comes on at the bottom of the hour. Fort Dorchester and Berkeley actually played last night. And let me get the final score of that game real quick. Last night, Fort Dorchester won it 39-13. to So they advanced. Berkeley was actually playing fairly well at the beginning of the game and then fell off and Fort Dorchester took over. Uh, and then finally rounding off 5A, Caroline Forest and Chapman tonight. This is going to be one that's going to be interesting too because, you know, Caroline Forest has had a very up and down year this year. Chapman is receiving votes in the 5A poll, even though they're a three seed. So I think Carolina Forest has enough to pull this one out. But at the same time, it wouldn't entirely surprise me if Chapman uh, was able to pull off the upset. Going down to 4A. AC Floor and Indian Land. AC Floor is going to win that one. Uh, Greenville and Walhalla. Greenville should have enough to win that one. Westside and Greer. Westside probably has enough to win that game. Greer just sneaking into the playoffs this year after you know what a fall for them from what for from how they played last year. Granted, they lost it in All American, but you know. York and Irmo. York should be able to win this game, I think. But I think Irmo is definitely going to give them a run for their money. That's another game I'll talk to Lou about when he comes on. South Point and Richland Northeast. South Point should be able to win that one. Easily and Lawrence. That's another tough one. That's another tough one that I'm not sure uh, who I would pick there. Think I'll have to go with easily, but again, another close game. Greenwood and Pickens. Greenwood should be able to win that one. Westwood and Catalba Ridge. Westwood should be able to win that one. So that'll round off the upstate for the lower state. For the lower state, Myrtle Beach and Midland Valley. Myrtle Beach should be able to win that one pretty handily. Aiken and Hilton Head. That one's actually an interesting matchup. Um, Aiken 
three and six on the season, two and two in region play. Hilton had also three and six, two and three in region play. This is going to be, I think, one of the closer games uh, in this uh, in this uh, first round. I think Hilton had pulled it out. I think Hilton had uh, pulled off the upset. Not much of an upset, but still, going on the road. North Augusta and Bluffton. I think North Augusta should be able to win that game. Guilford and South Florence. This is another interesting one because, you know, looking at it on paper, you know, Buford 2-4-1, South Florence 7-3-4-2. You know, Buford, um, but, you know, South Florence averaging more points, also giving up more points, but not by much. Uh, I think the big question, and I haven't heard anything about it in a few months now, or not a few months, in a few weeks now, ever since he got injured. Uh, but could we see Lenora Sellers come back in this game? Uh, if he does, I Buford in getting the upset. If not, though, I think Buford probably wins this one. So that's one, but that's definitely one to keep an eye out for. Uh, South Aiken against Wilson. South Aiken pretty much has that one in the bag, I think. West Florence against James Island. This is one, you know, it's a three seed versus three seed. Uh, but West Florence almost assuredly has has that one in the bag. Uh, May River against North Myrtle Beach. I think May River probably has this one. May River should be able to win this game. But I think North Myrtle Beach will make it a comp- at least a semi-competitive game, I would say. And then finally, Hartsville and Airport. Hartsville should be able to win that game. So there are your uh is your four A predictions. Uh going down to three A. Chapman against Buf- Blue Ridge. Prince Chapman should be able to win that one. Chester against Belton Hanea Pat. This one could be interesting. Um, gonna have to say I'll plan I've had three and six, two and two. Chester five and three, three and one. I think Chester should be able to win that one. Uh Powersville against Rome, Powersville uh will win that one. Ren against Fairfield Central. Ren well, Ren was three and one but five and five uh overall. Fairfield Central five and three, two and two in region play. This is gonna be a close game. Both of them are very 
are about the same in terms of scoring and and points against. Uh, 30.7 for Wren, 27.8 for Fairfield Central in points four, uh, 27.9 for Wren, and 27.1 for points against for Fairfield Central. This is going to be another one of those close games. I think Wren will have enough to win it out. But that's going to be one that's going to be very close, I think, tonight. Daniel against Keenan. Daniel should be able to win that one. Southside against Woodruff. Think Southside will win this game. But at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if Woodruff made it a game. It's going to be offense against defense. Because Southside does not score many points but also doesn't allow that many points, whereas Woodruff scores a lot, but also gives up a lot of points. So it's going to be who who can who can score enough points while also limiting the other team's scoring. It's, it's going to be can Woodruff score more points while holding, you know, you know yeah, you get what I'm saying. Can the defense keep Southside's offense, which isn't very good, at bay, while Woodruff is able to score against Southside's good defense. Um, I'm actually going to pick Woodruff, I think, in this one. But like I said, I I certainly think it's going to be a close game. Laura Richland against Seneca. Laura Richland's going to win. And then Clinton and Palmetto. Clinton, I, I think Clinton should be able to win this game, uh, considering everything. So, yeah, Clinton, definitely the odds-on favorite in that one. So that's the upstate in 3A. Lower state, Brooklyn Casey against Waccamaw. Brooklyn Casey should be able to win this game. Hanahan against Lakewood. This is going to be another, this is going to be an interesting one as well. Um, you know, Hanahan, 72, 4-1, 36.14.8 against. Lakewood, 4-5, and 3-2, 20.8 and 27.8. Pro- I'm going to go with Hanahan in this one, but but I I think Lakewood will at least make it a game. Camden against Bishop England. Camden's going to win that one. Ainer against Orangeburg-Wilkinson. I think Ainer should be able to win that one. Dillon against Fox Creek. Dillon's going to win that one. Crestwood against Battery Creek. Crestwood should be able to win that one. Oceanside Collegiate against Lake City. Oceanside's going to win that one. And then Gilbert and Loris. This this could actually be an interesting game as well. Gilbert 8-2-4-1. Loris four and five, two and two. Probably Gilbert probably wins this one, uh, but I think Loris will at least make it make it semi competitive. So there are your uh, there's my predictions for the first round uh, in three A. In 2A, apparently the SEHSL website has not updated the 
have not given have not posted the uh bracket for two A. So unfortunately I don't have a two A bracket go off of actually, oh, I they have two two things listed. Um so I did find the the two A bracket now actually. Um so in two A, Abby and we'll start in the upstate. Abbeville and Blacksburg, Abbeville should be able to win that one. Saluda against Andrew Jackson. I think Saluda should be able to win that one. Great Collegiate against North Central. Great Collegiate's gonna win that one. Chesney against Crescent. I think Chesney's gonna win that one. Saint Joe's against ninety six. Saint Joe's will win that one. Christchurch against Batesburg Leesville. Christchurch will win that one. Chesterfield against Columbia. Chesterfield should be able to win that one. Landrum and Newberry. That's the game uh, in the upstate tonight. Um, just looking at, you know, Newberry 4-5, and 3-2. Landrum 5-4, and four, but 1-2. and two. I don't know. I honestly don't know who will win that one. I, I'm going to go with Newberry in this one, especially with them having home field advantage. But I think it's going to be a close game. I definitely think it will be a close game. So there are your uh, – there's the upstate for 2A. And then uh, the lower state, Silver Bluff has a bye. Lee Central against Central, probably Lee Central, but I could set for making a game. Shaw against Latta, Shaw's going to win that one. Timberland against Pelion, I think Timberland will win that one. Marion against Barnwell, Marion will win that one. Uh, Woodland against Andrews, number three versus number three. I This is going to be a very close one. Um, Andrews will just have enough to pull the one out, especially with them being at home. Philip Simmons and Mullins. Philip Simmons is going to win that one. And then Wade Hampton and Marion. Wade Hampton should be able to win that one. And then rounding things off with 1A. In the upstate, Southside Christian against Wilson Elko. Southside Christian should be able to win that. You know, almost assuredly will be able to win that one. C.A. Johnson against Wagner Sally. C.A. Johnson will win that one. Calhoun County has a bye. McBee against Ware Shoals. McBee should be able to win that one. Ridge Spring Manetta versus Whitmire. Ridge Spring Manetta will win that one. Dixie against Great Falls. Dixie will win that one. Lamar against Blackville Hilda. Lamar will win that one. And then McCormick against Denmark Olar. The battle of the two three seeds uh, in the upstate. I'm not. I'm probably going with Denmark Olar. Um, yeah, I actually, I'm definitely going to get Denmark Ola because McBee just barely snuck into the playoffs. I mean, they've only won one game this year. Or, excuse me, 
Oh, actually, they're playing McCormick. Never mind. Uh, McCormick, 3-4, and 3-2. Denmark Olar, 4-4, 2-3. This is going to be another offense versus defense matchup. Because Denmark Olar averages 41.4 points per game, but also gives up 27.2. Whereas McCormick averages 20.3 points per game, but only allows 18.7. So it's going to be offense against defense. Uh, I'll give the edge to Denmark Olar just simply because of home field advantage, I think. So now looking at the lower state, T.E. Murray against Cross. T.E. Murray should be able to win that one. Branchville against Johnsonville. This one could be an interesting one. Um... You know, Branchville has only played two games this season. Um, Johnsonville has played. Branchville is the is, is the two seed, even though they've only played one you know one region game and two games in total this season. I think Johnsonville will win this game just simply because they've played more and they you know they've. You know, they haven't just been sitting on the sidelines basically all year. Lakeview and Estill. Lakeview should be able to win that one. Whale Branch and East Clarendon. Uh, like, uh, Whale Branch. Yeah, Whale Branch will win this one pretty easily. Uh, Bamberg Earhart against Hannah Pamplico. Bamberg Everhart should be able to win that one. Carver's Bay against St. John's Carver's Bay should be able to win that one. Baptist Hill against Scott Scott's Branch. Baptist Hill should be able to win that one. And then Green Sea Floyd and Allendale Fairfax. Green Sea Floyd should be able to win that one. So there are my predictions for the first round of the SEHSL playoffs tonight. Lots of good games tonight. Um, unfortunately, like I said, and and this is why I think they should condense it to 32, or excuse me, the 24. Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of blowouts as well tonight. You know, so some of the two and three games should be good, but there's going to be a lot of blowouts as well tonight. So, you know, if you're if you're a more casual fan, you're just trying to find a game to to look for to go watch. Look in your area for the two and three games. Those are the games to go to. Uh, this um, this week. So I'll take a quick break and then come right back. When we come back, we'll have Lou Bejack from the state joining me and talk to him, get his thoughts on all of the matchups uh, this week, and uh, and get you ready for tonight. So keep it locked right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central as we await Lou Bejack from the state joining me this morning. Go through a few uh go through a few other notes real quick uh around the area on the high school front. Jalen Sneed named a semifinal for the high school Butkus Award. That is uh, the award for the best linebacker in the country. So congratulations to him. Not uh, not really all that surprising, but still very nice for him getting that recognition. Uh, and he's the main reason why I say, you know, in spite of the fact that Hilton Head is a three seed, you know, I think they have the opportunity of winning their game tonight. You know, they're not, uh, you know, Hilton Head, they, they're no slouches. I, I could definitely see them being able to, if not beat Aiken, uh, at the very least, give them a run for their money. Actually, I take that back. Hilton Head is actually a four seed. But with Aiken being a three seed, I I think there is certainly a chance that uh, Hilton Head should be able to win win that game uh, tonight. 
So that's something definitely to uh, keep an eye on for. Um, and then another note, uh, Joey Footman was announced as Marlboro County's new head basketball coach. Uh, was an assistant at Brooklyn Casey. Replaced with Coach Brace, who is now in North Carolina. It, it I, I know Coach Brace left a little late in the game, but still crazy to see them announce a a uh, new coach this late in the game with, you know, just a week away from the first scrimmages and less than a month away from the beginning of the regular season. So we'll have to wait and see how that uh, impacts things uh, moving forward. Um, We'll give Lou um, another couple of minutes to see uh, if he joins me uh, tonight. Let me just say this, and and, um, real quick, since uh, we were talking about um, Ian Guerin just a couple of minutes ago posted his first round picks for tonight. For at least for Horry County, uh, and yeah, Carolina Force Panther fans, and and I, th- you know, I I was talking about this, and you know, this is one of the best matchups I think um, of the first round. He's predicting the Panthers losing tonight at home. He's having Chapin. Win this game twenty seven twenty three. So you know whether or not he's right there, who knows? That but you know, that's a that's a you know him saying that may or may not bode, bode well for the Panthers. I mean, like I mentioned, uh Chapin was ranked it was ranked in the state poll last week and is still receiving votes this week uh is ranked in the uh well is receiving votes in the max preps uh 5a ranking as well um so you know in spite of them being a 3 seed Chapin apparently you know according to the rankings and everything is a very strong 3 seed so uh none of the other ones uh are all that surprising, although I think if I remember correctly, um let me look at the uh the three A bracket real quick. 'Cause he has uh Ainer beating Orangeburg Wilkinson, which I believe Oh no, I, I had Ainer winning that game as well, so um, so yeah, the only one that I might disagree with him on, I'm certainly hoping he's wrong on, uh, but then again, who knows, is the, uh, is the Carolina Forest, uh, game next week, or tonight, rather, against, uh, against Chapin here as though we will be having Lou Bejack from the state coming on uh, tonight or this morning 
forgot to message him yesterday, so maybe that's why I thought he just would remember, but I guess not. So with that being said, not too, too much else to talk about um, this morning. So I think I'll I'll wrap it up a little early. I'll do a two-hour show uh, this morning. Let me first go through the media polls for high school this week. Um, and then got one more story to talk about uh, this morning before we before I sign off. Starting with the media polls, 5A, pretty straightforward. Surprise, no real surprise. Uh, Dutch Fork at one with 16 first place votes. Fort Dorchester at two. Gaffney at three. Northwestern jumps up from five to four. Sumter jumps up from six to five. Hillcrest jumps up from eight to six. T.O. Hanna drops down from four to seven. Spring Valley drops down from seven to eight. Lexington nine. And Spartanburg jumps up from, ten, from not being ranked to 10th. Also receiving votes, like I mentioned, dropping from 10, but still receiving votes is Chapin. Also receiving votes, Burns and Goose Creek. In 4A, Myrtle Beach at 1. With 12 first place votes. 6.2 with 2 first place votes. Greenwood tied for three, as is A.T. Flora, who is still receiving one first-place vote. Greenville at five. West Florence jumps up from eight to six. May River jumps up from nine to seven. West, South Florence drops from seven to eight. York j- drops down from six to nine, and Buford at ten. Also receiving... Fairmo, South Aiken, Lawrence, and Hartsville, which is pretty crazy. That that's how, that shows you how strong uh, 4A is. That the number two team, the team that got home field advantage in in that was got the second home field advantage spot in that region, is the team that's receiving votes while the two Florence schools who are at three and four respectively, now granted, because of how 4A works, West Florence has a three-feet, also has a home game. But still, they're, you know, they're in the middle. The three and four-seed teams are ranked higher than the number two-seed teams, which is crazy to think about. But that just shows you how strong Region 6-4A is. In 3A, Daniel at 1 with 17 first place votes, Dylan at 2, Chapman at 3, Camden at 4, Clinton at 5, Pattersville at 6, Lower Richland at 7, Brooklyn Casey at 8, and the only change is Aner jumped from 10 to 9, while Gilbert drops down from 9 to 10. Also receiving votes, Chester and Oceanside. 3A seems to be pretty straightforward this year. 2A, Abbeville at 1 with 15 first-place votes. Great Collegiate at 2 with 1 first-place vote. Silver Bluff at 3. Marion at 4. Philip Simmons at 5. Timberland jumps up from 8 to 6. Saluda drops down from 6 to 7. Wade Hampton jumps up from 10 to 8. Chris Church at 9. And Shiraz jumps up from not being ranked to 10th. 
Chesterfield dropped down from seven into the receiving votes. Also receiving votes, Barnwell, St. Joseph, and Andrew Jackson. And then rounding things off with 1A, Southside Christian at one with 16 first place votes. Sandberg Earhart at two, Baptist Hill at three, Lamar at four, Will Branch at five, Ridge Spring Manetta at six, Lakeview at seven, C.E. Murray jumps up from nine to eight, Allen County jumps up from ten to nine, and Green Sea Floyd drops down from eight to ten. No one else receiving votes in 1A. So that'll wrap it up for uh, my high school talk. Hope you guys enjoy all the games tonight. Uh, should be should be a fun uh, should be a fun night tonight. Um, so yeah, should should be a, a good night tonight. Lots of uh, fun games tonight. Um, now. Uh, to finish off the show, got one final, got one big story. Um, well, just a continuation of a story. Um, but we'll uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, just wanted to send my congratulations out to the Atlanta Braves. A great win for them. You know. Uh, and yeah, you know the Braves. The Braves are back, and and what's crazy about it too is that a lot of people going into the season and even going into the playoffs weren't thinking the Braves were going to be all that great. You know, they had a a new head coach, they had a new manager. Uh, you know, they didn't quite seem like they were there. You know, they were on the rise. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think a lot of people thought that they were cr- quite where they should be yet. Um, but they proved everyone wrong, and the Braves are back. Um, would have preferred the Yankees there, obviously, myself. But, you know, congratulations to the Braves. Good good for them. Uh, quick NFL no- note. Before I go into my final story, Von Miller traded to the Rams from the Broncos. And, you know, good for the Rams, good for Von Miller. Um, Although, I will say, I don't know, you know, the the Rams are playing well right now. Um, But I don't know, you know, could this be a um could this be you know a, a final piece that gets them over the hump potentially but I mean, they're going to have a climb even to win their own division because of the cardinals and obviously you got the buccaneers you got the Packers, uh, you know, the Cowboys are playing well. So, do I put them as a contender for the NFC title at this point? Yes, obviously. But would I say they're the front runner? 
Not sure. Not sure. Um, one more thing. Uh, one one other big note um, came over that this is some breaking news. Um, according to sources, the Cleveland Browns are looking to try to uh, – they're trying to work out a deal to release uh, Odell Beckham Jr., and that's, I mean, it, it's it's crazy that he's, you know, you know how crazy this has gone, you know. But it does. Here's the thing: it doesn't surprise me. I saw this coming, even you know when Odell Beckham Jr. joined the Browns a few years ago, and you know all the Browns fans were saying, "Oh, this is going to be the way," you know. Baker Mayfield has his target. You know, this is how we become a good team again. The Browns are still a very poorly run organization. So no matter how many pieces you get around him, or, you know, no matter how many pieces you get on this team, it's it's not going to do anything. It's going to help you. Um, so, you know, Browns are going to Browns. Hopefully, you know, Odell can get to a team that, you know, he wants to play for and that be comfortable playing for and that, you know, Hopefully it would, you know, he's able to get what he wants. He honestly should have stayed in New York, although the Giants aren't great. But imagine if the Giants still had Odell Beckham Jr. They had Daniel Jones, they had Saquon Barkley. They may need a few more pieces, but I think that team could be a contender at the very least for the NFC East. Over the last couple of years, certainly over the last couple of years, particularly last year when it was just a dumpster fire. But even in terms of uh, even in terms of this year, I think they could could have been a legitimate contender. Um, do the Giants go after Odell? Probably not. At this point, I don't. I honestly don't know where he lands. Maybe this is to uh, Green Bay's problem with Aaron Rodgers. You know, everyone's been talking about the that Rodgers needs a, a legitimate number one threat on the receiving core. Well, there's your answer right there, Packers. Go after him. Now, do I think they will? Who knows? But would that be a perfect fit? Absolutely. That that would be the that that would be where I would go. So rounding it off, gonna finish off the show with more Ben Simmons talk. And I know I agree. I'm getting sick of it too. But more, you know, it just. 
it, the saga continues. The organization saying Ben Simmons reportedly refusing to accept help from the organization when it comes to his mental readiness to play. And Daryl Morey went to Simmons personally and asked him to accept the help and or asked him when he would be ready to play or and just, you know, tried to get where he was at. Simmons just said he's not ready yet. Didn't really give him much. And I don't go I don't get how much longer you go with this. The writing is on the wall. Of course he's not going to accept the help. The whole reason that he's not the whole reason he isn't mentally ready to play right now is because he wants out of Philly. Him going to the the facility and him you know, supposedly joining the team a few weeks back, I think was all just a, uh, it was all just a, a ruse. It was just him essentially, because I, here's, here's what I think with this whole situation. The Sixers were threatening, you know, oh, if you don't report to camp, we're going to, you know, fine you and we're going to withhold your salary, all of that. So Simmons, in order to continue to continue to get his money and in order to avoid any fines or whatnot, reported to training camp. But then he said, I'm not mentally ready to play yet. I need to go home again. And probably as a result of the collective bargaining agreement, since they can't, since they can't um, confirm nor deny whether or not that is really the case, the Sixers are basically, you know, stuck between a rock and a hard place at this point, because. Simmons can just say, I'm not mentally ready to play. And the Sixers can't really do anything about it. They still have to pay him his contract while he's not playing. So it was the perfect move for Simmons, honestly, to, to you know, get the best of both worlds. Um, and that's the whole reason why he's refusing the help, because if he actually gets, you know, if they get a team doctor or, you know, someone in there, they're probably going to figure that out pretty quickly. And then and then we're back to square one. But like I've said, and yes, now we're in the regular season. Yes, now, you know, it's kind of get, you know, it's past the point where it should have been done. But especially now with with them being in the season and everything, um, with you know, um, what am I trying to say? With with them being in the regular season, you don't want this hanging over your head. They need to just stop with the pride. Stop with the, you know, whatever it is, back 
forth the cat and mouse game is between Maury and Simmons. Just trade him already. Just trade him already and just get a deal done so that you can move on. So that you can say, okay, you know, we're moving on. I don't care if you're not going to get, you're not going to get everything you want for him. You're just not. It's it's as simple as that. You're not going to get everything you want out of this trade. But you can certainly still get something for it. What would you rather have as the 76ers? Would you rather have a player that, you know, would you rather be forced to pay the salary of a player that doesn't want to be there and that isn't there? And thus, you know, you're basically throwing good money against, you know, good money to, away from bad, or I forget the exact, how that saying goes. Um, would you rather have that, where you're basically wasting money, or would you rather just, not only do you, on a financial level, do you get rid of that headache, but also on a team morale level and all of that, you get rid of the distraction. You get rid of the, the distraction. Bring someone in. It's not. It may not be an all-star. You may not be able to get another all-star for him. But honestly, if you do it now, now it should, like I said, it, this should have been done months ago. But if you trade him now, and you you look to see okay where could you know you, if you try to trade him you know to a contender who is willing to give up you know maybe one of their better players like I said it may not be an all star it may not be a superstar but you could get I think you could get a decent bit for him still. And especially with the 76ers where they're at, they're kind of at a crossroads right now. You know, what what kind of team are you? Are you a championship contending team? Are you a playoff team? Or is it time to basically just cord, maybe not necessarily cut the cord on, uh, on Joel Embiid or anything like that? Maybe not necessarily rebuild totally I think if nothing else you could certainly get a number one draft pick for Ben Simmons I would think at least you know it may not be a lottery pick but I could see you getting a mid to late first round pick for him you know of a team you know I'd have to look at at all of the all of the rosters because I'm not sure where exactly I would go with this, but I could see it being, you know, you know, I could see them trading to a team that just needs that one extra piece to get over the hump and is willing to get rid of either a draft pick or, you know, a good, good role player or maybe even a 
a, a semi-star. But the the Sixers just need to do something at this point. They they really just need to get just stop with the pride. Let's you know move forward and and get get it so that they can focus on basketball. Because no matter what Embiid and all the players and the coaching staff says, this has to be a distraction. No matter what you're trying to do, this is going to be a distraction. Simple as that. So, that'll just about wrap it up for me this morning. Like I mentioned, signing off a little early, Lou Bejack from the state, unfortunately, uh, did not call in, so didn't have a chance to talk to him. Uh, but, yeah, enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the playoffs tonight. Uh, should be plenty of get good games uh, going on. And then, um, you know, Hopefully, hopefully I don't have to go on another rant next week. Hopefully, the college football playoff committee gets their act together this week and uh, and actually, you know, does the right thing. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, and as I have been the last uh, couple of weeks, I, I've really been enjoying it. Um, unfortunately, I haven't heard it as much as I like. I'd like to. But I've been really enjoying the fact that, you know, hockey's back on ESPN. And on top of that, the fact that, you know, they've been having all of the uh, every game be put on ESPN Plus for free. Well, technically not for free, but you get what I'm saying. It's not like you have to pay for, you know, NHL Center Ice or anything like that like uh, you have in the past. Um, so it's nice. I would love to see ESPN do this with, like, with baseball and basketball, too, um, where they, they buy the rights to MLB Extra Innings or MLB.TV, um, and just put it in with ESPN Plus. Even if I had to pay an extra, you know, $10 or whatnot, I'd be perfectly fine with that. So as I have been in for the past couple of weeks, I'll sign off. With the ESPN on NHL theme, watch some hockey, people. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'm Brandon Biscobing saying so long, and I'll talk to you guys next week right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.